are listening to Power Producers Shop Talk, where we are refining and redefining the sales game by equipping you with the tools you need to differentiate yourself in the marketplace. Well, it's like when we audit the mod with Magic and give them the action items that they're going to use to lower their total cost of risk. Tactical skills that will help you provide deliverable value to your clients and prospects. Technology is not an expense, it's an investment. Look at what ThinkHR has done for our clients and even our team. It's an amazing product and I'm so thankful we have that. And action items that you can provide to take your prospects and clients to the next level. Things are changing for us in 2021. Not all big business anymore. Now that we have Cover Wallet on our team, it's amazing that we're going to be able to write small business profitably. This is Power Producer Shop Talk production redefined are you ready to feel the power hey everybody welcome to power producers shop talk and i gotta tell you it is september 3rd Mm. it is my daughter caroline's birthday but more importantly write this day down in your calendar people because this is the day that mr christian delosier can finally use hashtag CBK without infringing on my intellectual property. He is officially in killing commercial, and my goodness, you would have thought that this guy found out that Santa Claus was real when I talked uh-uh. to him this morning. He's like a kid in a candy store. My brother's birthday today, too. Really? Yeah. The, mid- the middle cat. Great Americans were born on September 3rd. You know? There were several other people too, man. I, I I need to get better about going through social media and looking at those birthday alerts and reaching out to people that I actually mm-hmm. like. Yours know. is coming up. Yes, sir. It is. Yes, it is. Another day Wednesday? closer to fifty. It's next Wednesday, September eighth. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. It's gonna be interesting to see um, what happens. You know, it's funny because like Are all you of my a cookie cake. Oh, pff, the double <laughs> cookie cake with the icing in the middle Dude, from Sam's. The c- cookie time. cake is by far my favorite. At Sam's. No, too. you gotta go ice cream cake. Ice cream. Okay, so ice cream, ice cream cake, cake is very good as well. I would so say that's my number two. So let's just step back right now. Those are apples and Volvos. Those two should never yeah. even like be com- commented in the same thing. The ice cream cakes that they have it, uh, sto- uh what is it? Stone Carve- cold. Uh, no, Col- cold. Cold stone. stone. Stone, stone cold. cold Steve Austin just. <laughs> stone cold said so. Yeah. No, uh, cold stone man. Awesome. They have. The most ridiculous. So, true story. Carvel is good too. I don't know yes, if those places are. are still around. No, but you can buy them at Publix. They have them in the frozen food section mm. at Publix. Carvel cakes. There may may or may not be like at least one Saturday a month where we've had a pool day, like all day Saturday, and we get in bed at night, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I'd really kind of like a little dessert. Cold Stone is on Uber Eats, and Ooh. you can get a cake. Uh. See, you guys have way more options as far as Uber Eats goes down there in your in your area. Up here, it's pretty sparse. It's getting better. Like they're putting a Chick Fil A in right by the Lutz office, which I'm oh, thrilled about. I bet um, you are. Not that that has anything to do with Uber Eats, but uh, yeah, it, 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 it's it's slim pickings up here. So here's the true story with Uber Eats, real quick, and then we're gonna get into what we're gonna talk about. People will probably be humored by this one though. Um, we ordered Jersey Mike's from there last week or the uh, week before. And I went through, Annie ordered her sub, and then I ordered the other three, customized every single one of them, comes to the house, and the one that she ordered was right, the other three were all completely wrong. Hmm. Like, not even okay. close. Not even close. And so, Which is I go tough to, Uber- to do, by the way. Like, it's yeah. a sub, there's like four ingredients. 
So I'm thinking something happened where I missed a checkbox or something because yeah. they were all three Mike's way, like with right. completely disregarding everything that I put in. So maybe there's a checkbox I missed. Override <laughs> it. So anyhow, I email, I message no. Uber Eats and I say, hey guys, um, three out of the four sandwiches were wrong. You know, they had oregano on them, which creates violent issues with three of our stomachs. Really? And we, we would never have put that on there. Um, that's In fact, I know for a fact I took it off. This is what was supposed to be on there. The guy writes back and says, next time be more careful when you order. Here are some suggestions for you being more accurate. That was his customer service. That's awesome. That was that is not where this conversation ended. In case anybody had any doubt whatsoever, so I immediately write him back. I'll show you careful. And I said, perhaps you'd like to look at what my Uber Eats bill looked like on a weekly basis prior to the last four or five months when we quit using Uber Eats because every time we ordered, our meals weren't right. You, we were a gold mine for you. I quit using you, and this is literally the first time in like four months at a bare minimum that we've ordered anything at all from Uber Eats, and it's wrong. So that's fine. Your customer service sucks as bad on the back end as it does on the front end. We won't be back, and I'll make sure to share this experience with all my friends and family. He writes back and said, I can see you were a loyal customer. We're very sorry for the issues. We've issued you a complete refund for your order. Like, why wouldn't you do that the first time, man? Yeah, why be a dick yeah. the first time and just try to... Why do I have... Like, yeah, why do I have to get nasty? Well, it could have been a bot. It could have been a bot. Yeah, but that's a ridiculous slide, reply you know, for a bot. That, but still, be, be, that's what they're doing. Be no, more oh, careful agree. in be your Uber ca Eats ordering. <laughs> we, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, your, it's always your fault. Anyways. So check this out, man. I just got this note. I'm not going to name names, but I had a guy that is in the new Power Producers Mastermind that we just started. I spent some time with him yesterday on the phone. I had a couple of guys in Killing Commercial and but in the new Power Producers Mastermind, he... Actually, Steven, it's the one that I was going back and forth with you on, and I was like, holy crap. So th yeah, this account yeah. was with a carrier that has a package policy, but by the time you put it, – it's a regional carrier that we don't – we don't have regionals down here ever. Like it's – I don't – so anytime I see that, I'm just yeah. always amazed at how much yeah. coverage is given for such a little price. And, but anyhow, it basically took a commercial mm -hmm. package and turned it into a bop. So there's actual loss sustained on the business income. They had blanket waiver, blanket AI, primary non-contributory, like every bell and whistle you can imagine was thrown onto this policy at a dirt cheap price. But my concern was, as was this, the agent, this is what he brought it to me for, was he wondered why the payroll was understated so much because it looked and smelled like a package, but it was like actually more like a bop when you dug into the cover. And I said, well, with the ALS on there, maybe it really is a bop and it's unauditable and the agent played a game to get the premium down to get the account knowing it wouldn't be audited. But it turns out that's not the case. It's the first year with this carrier and they are going to get Hammer. So anyhow, I just got a note. It said, thanks so much. The account we reviewed yesterday oh, wants tried. to switch everything over, including their workers' comp. He was blown away at all of the risk management ideas I discussed with him that his current agent never mentioned. Plus, he had never heard of pay-as-you-go monthly self-audits, thought that was only available through the payroll company. We'll post this in our group, but this will be tied for my biggest account so far at nice. a little over $55,000 in premium. Not huge, but I would still get up and cross the street to write 55000 in Why premium not? any day. 
Great job, man. Great Especially job. Especially because, you know like, are do, 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 you know, doing that, what kind of credibility is that going to build for you, and who are they going to talk to about it, you know? So here's the deal, man. We're That is actually fortuitous timing. Right. We're just going to make the podcast episode about what we talked about, and we'll walk through that and, and sort of use a little bit of it because, you know, here's the thing. When people bring me accounts like that that are smaller compared to what my skill set is really the best at. It's not that I'm too good for them. Don't get me wrong. I tell people all the time that want me to help, like friends, family, whatever else, they want me to help them with their small business. And I'll tell them, look, I appreciate you wanting to, wanting to give the business to me. And by all means, if you need my help, I'm happy to do it. I just want to let you know that I may not be the best option for you. And it's not that I'm trying to gracefully excuse myself from it, but the truth is, we don't have the really good small business markets because mm -hmm. that's not what I want to do. I mean, my closest thing is probably Hartford or auto mm -hmm. owners for some of that stuff. But I mean, that's just not that's not always right. going to be the best option, especially with some of the property guidelines that we have down here. So when somebody brings me a smaller account like that and I look at it, it's really, really tough for me to start poking holes in it because I don't know who the players are as much as I do in the middle market. So I immediately go to what I always gravitate towards and say, what can you talk about that's not insurance? What is this? You know, what, what are the things that you can bring up? And so on this, this particular account, you know, they had some pretty good, it was a landscape company. They had some pretty good loss history, except for one year they had a shock loss. And I mean, the premium's about 30 grand, 35 grand in the auto. Um, so that, yeah. And so when you have a loss right, that's, that's like 50,000, now you've got a problem, right? So even though they had three years, even the three-year loss snapshot had it up because they had that one year of shock loss. And so, you know, this guy was worried in, in, in the conversation was, man, I got my prices close. I got my prices close. I said, if you're worried about going in there on price, you might as well forget it. Like, mm -hmm. you, it, there's no point in it. There's no incentive for him to move. You're going to have to create yeah. doubt. You're going to have to drive a wedge. And the only way you're going to do that is by asking questions that have nothing to do with the insurance that you can do to sort of – and I tell people all the time, it's like the old um, – you know, you see it on the cartoons and stuff where the guy waves this hand, but he, then he punches you with the other one because you get distracted over here. That's, that's how I look at that you know you're, you're going to talk about risk management and then you're going to get the death hook when you know throw the death punch when you're trying to bring it on and so one of the examples was you know look i'm probably not gonna and i said be honest and transparent too there's something refreshing that never happens in the industry <laughs> tell the guy hey you know what if you're looking to move on price i'm probably not going to be your guy to be perfectly honest with you i don't want to unrealistically set your expectations we're not even working on this year at this point this is already written even mm -hmm. if you told me you wanted to move it midterm, I'm not going to be able to do anything at all to make this a better option for you from a pricing standpoint. So just know up front that anything that we're going to talk about today is going to cost you the same amount that you're already spending, period. If you want to proceed, let me tell you all of the other things that I noticed inside your insurance program that aren't there. And so then we start. I think that's key setting the table like that. I mean, that that's huge. You're, you're being upfront with them and, 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 honest, like you said, you know, and not trying to just skirt around things. I think that's huge. Well, you know what? It's been a long time since I've done anything based on renewal cycles. So I don't even know that the entire time that you have been with me, that you've ever seen me present like a, a traditional insurance presentation based on us placing the insurance at the X date to try and win the business. I don't know that you've ever seen me do that. And, but when I do, I, yeah, I can't what I recall can, what I can I tell you is in the past, when I have done that, 
the very first thing I do is I put the summary of coverages in the premium page in the very front of the binder. Mm -hmm. It's the first page I talk about because mm -hmm. I'm, I know for a fact that if I don't hit that first, the whole time I'm talking, they're either going to be rude yeah. and disrespectful and thumbing through my binder looking for it and not listening to me, or they're going to be listening, you know, thinking yeah. about all of that stuff in their head. with your business card. Oh, dude, worst ever. <laughs> let me tell you. Let me. Oh, God, here we go. I don't think I shared this yeah. one on the most awkward oh, um, client visits, but I do. That was a perfect one. And is then this we'll get the, back to is business. This the is this the third knuckle ear story? Yeah, you've heard yeah, it. There we go. So I, I, was well, in yeah. an, I was in an egg distributorship, and we were in there, and the guy. The, and this is in this is in the in Florida. The um, the owner and his brother were in there, and I, when I tell you that I thought I was walking into Deliverance when I walked into this <laughs> place, I was just waiting for the Muzak over the loudspeaker to be banjo music, and like some guy dressed up like the Gimp from Pulp Fiction to crawl out from underneath the conference <laughs> room table. It absolutely insane. So we're sitting in there, and this guy is as creepy. He's the, he looks like the creepy ice cream driver has the thin mustache that doesn't really grow in all the way. Like I am painting it pale. Probably smokes two packs of Cowboy Killers a day, if not Cool Menthols. Just like <laughs> this guy is that guy. Polyester pants pulled up over his fumpa. Everything. <laughs> so I'm sitting in the meeting, and this dude continuously has his pinky ear up to his third knuckle in his ear his pinky oh. finger is in his ear up to the third knuckle and i'm with another producer now we're going back like 15 <laughs> 20 years this is early in my career it's and so i'm foul. sitting here with a poker face man like what is this dude doing and he'd pull it out and he'd look at it and he'd stick it back in like he was digging for gold and he pulled it out and he'd look at it and like about the fifth time he did it he pulled it out and there looked there was something on it that looked like you could catch catfish with it. Okay. Oh God. Pulls it out, and I'm like, no, no, no. As it's gradually getting closer and closer, and I'll be danged if the dude did not stick the finger in his mouth like, directly what is wrong in with people? front of like, him. Like who taught <laughs> that guy that that was an appropriate just, just, action? Listen like, directly in front of me. And the guy that I'm with, we so we get up, we close out the meeting. I'm just but that's not I'm even one, okay to do by yourself. No, I'm listen. I'm the next. I'm the one right next to this guy. Immediately sticks his <laughs> hand out, and I shake it, not even thinking about it. And the other producer is like germaphobe Johnny Clean. You could tell he was. The guy goes to stick his hand out. And he's like fist bump, bro. <laughs> Dude, I'm, oh I'm supposed God, to have a lunch so meeting foul. after this, and I don't. I don't think I have an appetite anymore. That, that, I mean, don't, I was cringing. Do not eat that. mashed sweet potatoes, Stephen. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, nothing. Nothing anywhere close to that. So back to back to the task at hand. So this guy, you know, we start picking through this thing, and I mean, I'm looking for coverage holes in a program that, quite honestly, had none. Like the way that policy was structured, you would really have to try to to write it for something and not have it covered. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's amazing how broad the form was and the premium. So kudos to them. I really wish they'd come to Florida. I'd love to have a, a contract. But um, I told him, I said, we got to take the stuff off of this. So, so focus on it. Tell them price isn't going to be any different. Get that out of the way to begin with. Then you go back and you start creating doubt with these people and say, look, you know, you had these accidents in, in, in you've had several where somebody got rear ended. What have you done to correct that? What is your 
What is the driver selection criteria that you established with your agent and the carrier on the front end that would be acceptable so that you're not wasting time interviewing people to drive for you that are never going to qualify? If you know that on the front end and you pull their MVR as part of the hiring process, Mm -hmm. you're not going to hope you have a candidate only to find out insurance isn't going to approve them and and you can keep that – keep that going. Talk to me about doing a a road test for drivers. You know, when the people come in, do you require them to go out on a road test with somebody to to see how they handle the vehicle and that they're driving correctly and all of that? Do you have a defensive driving policy? Do you have in a program and a training designed around that? Do you have a fleet safety policy and a training and a program designed around that? And you just, and and I just kept peppering him with all of this stuff, which is 100% relevant to the exact situation you're in. And I told him, I said, listen, I'm not optimistic, man. I, you know, the problem that you have when you start dealing with smaller, you know, smaller end to middle market, which this is a little bit above the smallest end, but you're dealing with an owner, you're dealing with a buyer that's doing like 15 different things and you're really, this is your Hail Mary. You're going to pepper them with this stuff and hope that it clicks. And if it does, you'll get the account. And if it doesn't, they're not going to move. I said, but what I know is this. This account doesn't renew until February 22nd, okay? These guys want to talk to you now for a reason. Right. Start with the risk management, open the conversation, and eventually they're going to give you the reason through the conversation that they wanted to move. And I think, truthfully, man, I mean, that's the biggest thing. I don't care if it's a $2,500 BOP or a $250,000 package policy, you have to educate people, period, because those companies are going to grow and you have to have that conversation. Do you want to grow? Let me tell you about one of the larger landscape companies that are in my book of business and what happened to them when they were your size, because I've been with them since they were smaller than you, since they were your size, and now that they're bigger. And one of the things I bring to the table is to help you avoid the mistakes that some of my other clients have made because I've been with them as they've grown through that process. And you start showing that level of experience that says, look, not only can I represent you where you're at, I can represent you where you're going and everywhere in between. And now you have an account that's going to stick with you for a while because other agents aren't going out and talking about those things. And I don't even think that other agents truthfully think that that stuff's important. I hate to say that, but people in our industry, they don't, man. They they just, they're not going to think about fleet safety. They're going to think about what can I do to badger an underwriter to get the premium credits as low as possible so that I can sell on price and I'll hopefully keep this account for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think also in the eyes of the, the the insured is that at the end of the day, it's a piece of paper they're looking at and they want to know what coverages are in there, right? But if you're just focusing on that quote-unquote piece of paper of what's in there and what's not, that's a boring conversation. What can you do? What service can you provide beyond just that piece of paper? What can you advise them on that can help them grow, uh, help them stay profitable, and then help them keep their premiums down? And if you're not doing that, like you said – I mean, somebody else might be, but there's not a few, there's not a lot that are, uh, and many times you're going to go into a conversation and it's going to be about the price, the coverages, but you go a little different beyond that and bring them more value in those little instances like that is going to go a long, So this, long this particular situation that you're talking about here, you're like, there's a reason why they're talking to you right now when they renew in February did <clears throat> through the course of that. Was that uncovered? Did they come out and say what the... Re- their- I, I have no idea, man. I literally yeah. just got the Facebook message from the guy telling me he got the account. So I, I got can't it. wait to hear. 
yeah. what the deal was. It'd be, it'd be but, interesting. Um, I mean, obviously the questioning and, and going that route is is what made the difference, but I'm curious as to if there was um, some sort of underlying issue that was going on, um, you know, that, that, that caused them to reach out in the first place or engage rather. Yeah, I mean, Stephen, how much, and I think the moral of the story here is that you have to be able to have your skill set adapt based on the size of the account, right? It's not that I'm unqualified to give people yeah. advice on an account that size. It's just that I'm rusty. You know, I don't know all the players and I'm going to have to, to, to fine tune my game a little bit to, to get there. But I mean, how do you, how do you transition, man? Like when you're, when you're out dealing with a middle market account, like one of your, your big pallet manufacturers that you're going after, I mean, those guys are all shapes and sizes. I'm sure you talk to a different, a different way to one, one of the big ones versus one of the ones that's, that's not quite as big. How do you modify your message in that process? Well, I, I think at the end of the day, you view it all the same, to be honest with you. You know, I view a pallet manufacturer, you know, no matter the size, I do kind of view them all the same. We start off with the same conversations, but it's almost like on the cusp. You, you start to realize different aspects of where, um, you know, they're going to need more attention for or, or more uh, you focus on a little bit more than, than maybe, say, a larger one. Um, you know, they don't have the capabilities of some of these larger ones that'll uh, have on, you know, on-site uh, um safety managers and all that stuff. So that's how you kind of tailor. You just kind of, and after time you just figure out, you know, you kind of group them together of say, you know, Hey, usually when they're in this, you know, this category, this is usually what the problems are and same, you know, mm -hmm. they're a little bit higher. These are usually kind of where you're at. And that's where you kind of hit on them uh, to start those conversations. Cause if you can start that conversation um, and hell, I was having this conversation with Delosier yesterday, you know, um, anytime you're having a, a, a an appointment with somebody what's more effective the one where you're kind of like doing it like an interview or one where it's turning into a conversation it's always the one where it's turning into a conversation and if you can start that those questions off to where they're starting to talk a little bit more and because you know that that's probably going to be an area where they're going to have an issue that appointment's going to go 10 times better than you just rattling off a bunch of questions and have them answer them yeah, I agree. And I think that's something that is you spend more and more time doing sales calls. And it, this is applicable to any industry. It's not just, you know, the insurance industry. You become more fluent in that. Like, I feel like one of my strengths is that I can go in and get all of my information that I want from somebody just by having a conversation with them. And they have no idea that I've gotten all of that information from them. Like that is, that is what I have, you know, been able to do over the course of, you know, 15, 20 years in the industry. When I first got into the industry, I was Johnny checklist, man. I would go in, I would, I would still prepare for the appointment almost identically to how I would prepare for one today, but I would write all those questions down. I would ask them in list format and over time gaining confidence and experience and comfort. I just realized I'm asking pretty much the same questions almost every time. I just need to memorize them, figure yeah. out how to fit them into conversation. And you and, do over time, but I think it's important to do that on the front end, yep. at least for me. Like I remember stuff when I write it down. So when I'm getting ready to do a call, I write down all the shit that I want to talk about and not necessarily that I'm going to flow in that same order. It's going to, it's going to flow how it flows based on, on where the, you know, what they answer and, and things that we talked about. But I, I, I want to go back to your point that I think is huge about, you know, kind of relating where they are, even though they may be a smaller business than you're used to dealing with saying, Hey, look, this, I, I, one of my larger 
ex contractors or what whatever type of business it is. Here's here's some things that they ran into. I was with them when they were smaller than you, when they were your size. This is the stuff that we had to address, and 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 here's what we had to do, you know, to get them to grow and to be to the point where they're at now. They're a eight, you know, ten million dollar company. Um, but I I think I think doing that is the way to adjust to dealing with with companies that may be different than the typical prospects that you're going after in terms of size. Yeah, look, I mean, there's FOMO, right? One of the things that yeah. I do when I'm dealing specifically, that's why I think that if you have a niche or a vertical market, like Steven's got a couple of them, we obviously mm -hmm. have a few. When you go in and you're in that in that arena and you're talking about it all the time, you can just casually name drop, you know, people that you know yeah. that they know. They're going to know them. Yeah, 100%. Oh, I remember yeah. that when we yeah. when we they're, brought they so and so on. Man, was that a train wreck? Look at how they are now. Now they're 20 million in sales. They've got a couple, you know, a couple hundred employees, 100 vehicles. They're and 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 I'm just thankful we got to be a part of that. But one of the reasons why they've been able to grow profitably and invest in their people and grow their business through, you know, aggressive pricing or whatever else is because they dropped their total cost of risk by almost, you know, double you know, by double digits, mid double digits. That's something I try to do in every appointment is related yeah. to somebody that they're, even if it's, even if it's just a general, uh, so when I was doing the office supplies, it was like one of our impulse factors is what it was called. And they refer to it as Jones effect, like keeping up with the Jones. It's like, mm -hmm. people don't want to miss out on, on, you know, things that other people are taking advantage of. And, uh, especially when they're in the same industry. So you can just use something general, like, Hey, you know, most of my other cabinet manufacturers, here's some of the stuff that they run into. And here's what we were able to do to help get them back on track. Or if you do, it's it's definitely more powerful if you're able to use someone specifically. So when I was selling office supplies, I would walk into a business, especially if, if I just sold an account next door, I sold them a bunch of toner and paper or whatever. There was a 100% chance that when I walked in that next business, I was saying, hey, I'm Kyle. You know, I was just next door with so-and-so company. They're clients of mine. I was able to save them. 20% on their paper and toner and figured that, you know, you guys might be looking for a deal to whatever, whatever the rest of the pitch was, you know, but the, the Jones effect was huge. I think also that, you know, if it's a smaller guy and you have a larger contractor or whatever it is, a larger pilot manufacturer, these guys, they all know each other first off. Secondly, they yeah. see these ones and they kind of say, Hey, you know, that's who I want to, you know, everybody does. Hey, that's the kind of business I want to be like, I want to grow to be like them. And if mm -hmm. you can, you know, if you end up your, that's your client, well, now your credibility with that person has grown because you, you know, they want to be like, exactly. them. they're using you, you know, so it's you, a huge you, credibility thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think, um, I, I agree, man. And I mean, I, sometimes it gets, it's funny too, because sometimes it gets so ingrained in who you are. Like, like it's funny because Nick Ayers will tell the story when we were in Key West, you know, last summer, he, um, it's actually how he introduced me when I spoke at the uh, Better Agency Users Group back in April. He he made the comment that, um, you know, I, I wanted to introduce you to David. We were in Key West, and I just to give you this guy's persona, I was in the golf cart. He was in the back, and he said, hey, uh, you know, do you mind, do you mind if uh, Preston and I ask you a few questions about commercial because we're building out the workflows for Better Agency, blah, 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 blah. He goes, but only if you're on. And I, he said... <laughs> It's better to watch him tell this story. But he said, I turned around, stared at a hole through the middle of his chest and said, I'm always on. And I mean, truthfully, that's that's the God's <laughs> honest truth, man, because listening to Kyle talk about what he just said and me telling the story about how I always try to casually name drop, 
we have an account that we visited together that I had never met before that's one of our existing mm -hmm. clients, and I sat mm -hmm. there and name-dropped like three or four other clients the entire conversation. Yeah. That's So when we first started talking, like 10 minutes ago, that's the first thing that popped in my head. Is like, So we did this in that appointment, and I do it in almost every appointment yeah, that I'm in, too. especially... If it's somebody, you know, that it's just a natural thing to do. Like, like you said, Stephen, it builds that credibility. It almost, it, it, it calms them down too a little bit, right? They're like, okay, this guy has other clients in his book that are similar to me. I can trust what this person's saying. I'm going to drop my guard a little bit. Well, I mean, think about it this way. Anytime you're in a social setting by yourself, a networking event or something like that, that you don't know anybody, you know, mm. when you find that common ground or you find out, you know, they say somebody that, that they know that you know as well too. I mean, you're relaxed. You feel a little more comfortable exactly. yourself. And now you guys have some common ground to talk about uh, going from there. So it's no different. I mean, again, at the end of the day, it's a people business. It's what we do. Everybody's human. To, you know, that's the way I tell everybody, you know, the way I sell, I'm just being human. People want to be treated like humans and that's how you get to them. Just have a conversation. And that's all that it takes, really. And get to get talk to them like you would talk to your friend basically you'll get enough information out of them yeah i agree i mean again we go in and we make it all about the insurance and half the time it's just look i boil it down to the most basic premise possible when my kids have asked me when they were younger dad what do you do for a living i get paid to make friends that's it at the most basic level that's exactly what i do and yeah. God forbid you put me in that networking, you know, group because I am going to make friends 100% of the time. But I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to go too much longer on this. You want to sub for me and <laughs> I will B &I, never sub uh, for you and week. B and I ever again. <laughs> no. But you know, here's the thing. And this is, this is to, to your point, Stephen, and we've kind of been all over the place on this episode, but I think we've covered some really it. good stuff. But when you go to a networking event like that, it's just like going to a first appointment, plan, figure out who's going to be there first. So for me, like even when we would go back in the day when I would go to the uh, National Association Association of PEOs, NAPIO, when I would go to their annual conference at mm. my prior agency, I would have three people for the entire conference. These are my guys. This is who I'm going after. If I meet them all the first day, Great. If I don't meet them all the first day, I'm going to bust my hump to get in front of these three people at the conference for serious FaceTime before the conference is over. And that's that's how I went in. Complete laser focus. Now, did that open up other opportunities because I happened to be there and people saw me and they knew? I, absolutely. But 100% of the time, it was my mission was not complete until I made those connections. And I think it's important that as you're getting into networking groups or events or whatever else, even like charitable events where you're sponsoring tables and things, guess what? Other business owners are sponsoring those tables too. Good idea. Go meet with them. Talk to them. You don't have to sell them insurance at a charitable event. You can just get to know them. And when they see that you're running in those circles, it's like brand recognition for your personal brand at that point. But know who those people are and don't make it an accident that you're in front of them. Figure out how you're going to make it work. So put the time in on the front. Steven, you look like you want to add something to that. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, I, I'm actually, I'm going out to visit one of my clients out in Pittsburgh next week. And, and what they do is, is a little bit different, you know, like trade shows. They'll go to trade shows or conferences and they don't buy a booth. What they'll do is they will sponsor like a happy hour afterwards and have everybody come there because now everybody's a little bit let down, you know, in these trade shows, everybody's walking around doing the same old spiel, trying to get in front of everybody. Well, now they got them all one-on-one -on -one, and they got them at a place where they can have, you know, a drink or two and feel a little more relaxed. And he said he's got more value out of that than ever getting a table at a trade show. 
Yep, agreed. Absolutely. Agreed. All right, cool. Well, let's wrap this one up, man. Get yep. the weekend started. And then we're going to come back on the next one, and we're going to talk about email and how we can use that. So yep. everybody have a great weekend. Kyle, take them out. Cool. We'll catch you guys later. Happy Labor Day, everybody. <laughs> Didn't mean to catch you off guard, man. See you. Definitely ya. were. I was not paying attention. Garbage man outside? <laughs> no, but my, my my Jordans just arrived, so I was, I was a little bit preoccupied. <laughs> All right, attaboy. So we're going we're gonna to kill this. All Get right. your Jordans, and we'll see you in a few on the next All one. Right. All right. You've been listening to Power Producers Shop Talk. You can follow us at the Power Producers Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And if you want to take your game to the next level, check out our commercial insurance training course at killingcommercial.com. Or visit Amazon to pick up a copy of our international best-selling book, The Extra Two Minutes.